For some people, designing a single game can take years of practice. For others, they break their ideas down into several smaller ideas so they can make the games that they want to play. This week, join me, Zach Walsh, as I interview Weston about their line of games. We talk about their games, running a game jam, and talk about the changes that we've seen in the indie gaming community. Welcome to Scheduled for Launch, a podcast to discover projects that you may have missed. This week, I am incredibly thrilled to have Weston here on the uh, the podcast. Weston, thank you so much for joining me here. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. So listeners who have been here for a little while, you've probably heard a little bit about Weston. Some people have actually told us a little bit about you and uh, some of the, the ways that they got into game creation. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. I've talked to Adela Adam and Thryn were a couple <laughs> people I also talked to, so I, I'm super pumped oh, to yeah. have you on. Oh, cool. Yeah, those are yeah, great people. <laughs> They're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we really jump into what you do, Weston, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure, yeah. Um... Hi, my name is Weston, um, or Marigold, actually, uh, just added that one, but, um, oh, and okay. uh, you can use um, any pronouns for me, um, and I'm, um, well, a little bit about myself, huh? I, well, I guess, like, I'm, a, I write games, and I've started working on a podcast more recently, um, and I'm just really in love with the idea of storytelling in general but especially this kind of collaborative storytelling that a lot of uh, indie tabletop rpgs are interested in um, because of the way that it allows people to explore different ideas about well anything really um, in safe environments um but that's basically, I mean, high level <laughs> who I am. I am interested in far too many things. I have uh, ADHD, which means I bounce from hobby to hobby quite a bit. I have a garden and a typewriter. I write letters to people and uh, just always finding new things to do. Oh, that's phenomenal. I love that. That's so much fun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Weston, you are a game designer, and from what I'm aware, you've made three bigger ones. Um, and yeah. that would be, yeah, so that would be uh, Feather Down, Wagon Wheel, and Habits of the Common House Ghost. And that's actually the one that I kind of found you on my own about. Oh, cool. I think it was right when um, the the Zine Quest month was ending. I I really liked the look of it, so I I made sure to kind of talk about it a little bit on on my Twitter, and just like I oh, love nice. I love the themes for your games. I think is the best way 
to to really talk about it. They always have this exploration part of it. And by that I mean like on an emotional level. Feathered Down, for instance, you you mentioned it's like a game about feeling lost and wagon wheels restoration and habits of the common house ghosts, interruptions in your daily life. What brings you to exploring these themes? Yeah, uh good question. Um I guess those kinds of things are what I'm most interested uh, in exploring in games in general um, is more of like the introspective and relational side of things. Um, And I think framing stuff in a kind of fictional setting um, lets me and uh, I I think other people are similar. um, It lets us explore things in an abstracted way which almost lets us explore it deeper than we could if we were just trying to analyze how we feel about certain kinds of things or certain kinds of situations or struggles that we're dealing with uh, ourselves or more externally I suppose Um, but so I guess these are supposed to be just kind of um, ways for us to engage with different phases, different types of expression. Uh, but yeah. I think that's, that's really interesting too. Um, you've, you've got, like I said, a really good handle. I, I unfortunately haven't had the chance to play any of these yet. I am looking forward to a friend of mine actually told me about wagon wheel an online friend. And I, I think we might be playing it relatively soon. Uh, I'm very oh, excited yeah. to do that. Yeah, so <laughs> not to not to get choosy, do you have a, a favorite of these three? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wagon Wheel is is my favorite. It's the one <laughs> I've put it? the most work into. Yeah, yeah. I it's the first one I started writing. Um Okay. And the second one I finished. It's uh the most mm, it's the longest book <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh it's actually it's like 50 pages long or something like that oh, wow. and that's like just like word document pages it's a hack of of uh of stew pot but it um oh i think it's i think it's uh quite different um but it follows the same kind of structure in that you have an old job uh, like an adventure job, and then you have a your restoration job, and you kind of slowly replace your different skills. Not really replace, but you're learning new ones. Um, and uh, yeah, and you travel from town to town and uh, kind of help folks out after um, some kind of calamity has happened. So it's kind of like okay. post, it kind of starts where a lot of games end. Um, is kind of the idea. Okay, so Wagon Wheel is you said it's it's a game about restoration and it's um kind of building after your purpose is done then, right? Is if that's how I read it at least. It's your job's finished, but you still keep on going. So what comes next, right? Right. Yeah, and a a lot of times that's true, right? Yeah. So it's like um whether it's a war or some other kind of disaster, usually um, 
you play people who well you always play people who have been directly affected by that whether they were mm-hmm. fighting against um the the tyranny or the you know whatever in the moment they were affected by it and now they're usually usually what ends up being the the theme is helping people adjust to a new normal okay that's that's a little bit relevant right now especially with uh the current state (laughs) yeah so i i really like this though because i'm looking at the i look at these three games and i see that you're really not pigeonholing yourself habits the common house ghost that's one that came out this year uh finished up you you kickstarted on in february for zine quest right yeah Uh uh-huh yeah how was your kickstarter experience it was good it was fun um yeah i got a lot of support and it was a lot of fun to um one of the things that i one of the rewards i had was letting people kind of commission a ghost (laughs) because i was creating illustrations for the game uh and i was like hey if you want to influence that um let me know. <laughs> Pay me money, and I'll, <laughs> and I'll draw <laughs> uh, based on your prompt. So um, a few people, I ended up just turning like a picture of them into a ghost, and oh, that's uh, other people just had like more general ideas. And actually, um, Adela, who you mentioned before, a good yeah. friend of mine, uh, had me draw a character that we actually ha- played in um, a game of. Habits of the Common House Ghost in during um, some of the early playtesting. Oh, that's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell the audience a little bit about Habits of the Common House Ghost? Because I think it's one of the cutest games out there. I think it's, oh. it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, Habits of the Common House Ghost is a game about being a ghost. Uh, you share a protagonist. Uh, it's for one to four people um and basically you establish a routine and then you mess it all up by rolling (laughs) on a table of different kinds of interruptions so you take turns playing the ghost and when somebody's playing the ghost other people play npcs that show up and can talk to them or interact so yeah i mean that's the high level (laughs) explanation (laughs) of it so another thing that this it's been the kind of the thing that I've been most excited to kind of talk to you about because mm. I heard about it on a couple different discords and uh, it's one of the first ways that I heard about you but you organize a creator's game jam or you have at least yeah can you tell us a little bit about the creator's game jam and what exactly goes on for that yeah I, I've so I've hosted two so far um, and I have another one in mind, but it, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll do it eventually. But <laughs> <laughs> I always, um, and the game jams that I like to do are just very loose. Um, I don't have like strict rules or mm-hmm. ideas. I basically have a prompt. So okay. the first one I did is, um, what kind of, uh, launched uh habits of the common house ghost it's where that came from Mm -hmm. um and it was just a ghost uh, a ghost themed game jam and so i just uh said hey uh, if you want to write a game that 
somehow <laughs> deals with a ghost <laughs> or ghosts like that's what this is for. So, I mean, that was the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and then it, it actually got a lot of people who hadn't written games to write games. And I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's is it like a timed event? What exactly goes into the structure, I should say? So we know there's a prompt. Oh, sure. Yeah, so there's a prompt... And then um, just some like basic rules, but those are mostly just um, like your podcast rules of like, hey, don't be a jerk. Don't be a bigot. <laughs> don't be a racist. <laughs> like, and we'll be fine. So, uh, yeah. And then, and then there's a, a time frame. Both the game jams that I ran have uh, lasted a month. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm not super concerned about uh um oh lost my train of thought let's see if i can find oh, no. it <laughs> <laughs> i'm not super concerned um with people having um nope it's not there yeah <laughs> oh, no, that's okay that's okay we'll come back to just it. tried starting the sentence again and <laughs> it didn't get me there yeah you're not super concerned about them having anything super solid, I'm guessing, then, is, like, at the end, so long as they had a good time and tried yeah. it, right? Right, right. Yeah, that. And uh, I don't care about them having written it during the, the game jam, which some game yeah. jams, like, they don't even, like, talk about their theme or whatever beforehand. Or they might talk about high level, but they don't give you the prompt until it starts. And they want you to have written it within, you know, the month or within, like, a few weeks or whatever, however long it is, which is fine. That's a fun way to approach it. Um, yeah. Some people have argued that my game jams aren't actually jams, <laughs> but um, I still think they are. But to, they more just give people an excuse and an opportunity to write a game on a theme. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't care if they've started beforehand, because a lot of times I'll set it up a little ways in advance and so people know it's coming so some people already have yeah. their game written by the time i start it and i think that's great you know if if it's what made them engage with an idea that was either on the back burner or it inspired an idea and uh, caused them to kind of create a game i just think that's really fun i think that really lends itself to what you said earlier about the the indie scene and just people getting together and exploring ideas. I think that your your game jam or whatever people want to call it, I, I'll consider it a game jam. <laughs> I think sounds good. I think it's it's just another way for people to explore something though. Isn't that kind of the goal that you're setting? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other one because the other game jam I did was um it was called uh once upon a blue Monday, and it was just a sad game jam. So, <laughs> oh, boy, <laughs> uh, the first one I only really um, talked about in the Discord, um, the Roll Plus Bond Discord, mm -hmm. um, and had it like as basically a private game jam just for us because okay. I'd never ran one, and you know, just wanted to yeah. kind of start it easy. And then the second one I released more. You know, I didn't like advertise it or whatever <laughs> promote it but i did like make it public so it got a few submissions from people i didn't know which was fun 
but this one was just, you know, like, <laughs> write a game that makes people sad. And that's where Feather Down <laughs> came out of. Oh, Feather Down is, just reading the description, um, that that feels like it could hurt. <laughs> that feels like a game that could yeah. hurt. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we're on it, because I think it's the one we did talk about. Do you want to mention what Feather Down is? Yeah, so Feather Down um, is a migration story. Um, so it's in Feather Down, you also share a parent, uh, protagonist. So you mm-hmm. play a migratory animal that gets separated from its group. Um, and it's based on a game called Accursed, um, oh. which is... Uh, based on the quiet year. Um, okay. So that's kind of just the progression of ancestry <laughs> for this game. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what that means though is you get, uh, you go through the different um, suits of cards and you draw until you hit the king, I think is what I have it as ends the um ends that kind of phase so and each phase is focused on a certain um they're loosely based on the stages of denial (laughs) Oh, okay. so as you kind of go through the the game there's so there's four phases and there's more stages of denial than that Mm -hmm. but that each one kind of like addresses certain parts of each one um okay so then by the end, you're working towards acceptance and you kind of decide what that means. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you'll have a chance to rejoin your group if that's what you decide to do, but it's okay. not what you have to do. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's just about um, <laughs> being lost and finding hope and joy in where you are and then um, deciding how you want to move forward. Okay, that's... Oh, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that could be heavy with the right group of people. Yeah, yeah I've never played it and it not be heavy. <laughs> oh, oh <no. laughs> it, it kind of, but that's kind of by design. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you could make it silly, but <laughs> it would take some doing. So... Weston, one of the the great things about your game specifically is looking at them, they all have a low prep time. And from what I can tell, I think they're all GM-less, right? Yes. Yep. Both of those things are true. (laughs) And I'm guessing this is intentionally done. (laughs) Yeah. Mostly because that's what I'm interested in. (laughs) Those are the kinds of games I want to play. Yeah. Um, I've been a lot more interested in GMless games, um, partly because I GMed for a long time, and that just you know that takes a lot of work and it takes it a lot of time between sessions to figure things out. Um, so like Habs of the Common House Ghost was specifically de- designed to be a short game. So the first half you're kind of setting things up, and the second half you're going through the four phases of the day. Um, and that's it. So it takes about two, two and a half hours to play, um, where um, Feather Down takes 
uh, I, I haven't seen it get finished in one session. Um, so I have seen it get finished in two, but usually it takes, I, I suspect it will usually take four, um, one for yeah. each kind of phase of the game. And then Wagon Wheel, you can kind of play that as fast or as slow as you want. Like you can end it before it uh, technically ends, you know, the built-in mechanic mm -hmm. for it ending. Um, but the longest I've played one is six sessions, which was which was oh, a lot of fun. That's all right. Yeah. So, and that kind of draws me around to another part. Um, a lot of player people who are into tabletop role-playing games that I've talked to are not familiar with GMless systems and a lot of oh. them worry. Yeah. A lot of them worry about sacrificing story because they don't feel that they are suitable, but I was hoping that you'd be able to talk a little bit about your relationship with GMless games and storytelling, because based mm -hmm. on your game ancestors on your itch page, you, you play a lot of these story heavy GMless games. Yeah. Yes. So the way they work uh, in large part is just people relying on each other to have good ideas. <laughs> and what we do is we just, but we build on them, you know, you're the bottom line is uh, not being afraid to share the dumb idea that you have. You say, you know, like you might be like, well, okay, so we have, a community. Um, I kind of want it to be set in um, like the rural Northwest, but you know, or at least have those vibes. Um, but I don't love the idea of this, you know, and then somebody else yeah. is like, okay, I kind of like this part of that, but let's take it this way. And so you end up building a thing that none of you could have um, come up with on your own. And it ends up being really cool and things tied together in ways you wouldn't have expected. Um, you get a prompt that pulls you in a certain way and uh, ties back in something that somebody had as like kind of a throwaway line earlier. And it just deepens. And one of the things I love about gemless games is that everybody is on the same level. Um, anybody can take something that somebody else said and run with it. And what that also means is that everybody is super invested from the beginning, where in jammed games, which I love, I mean, jammed games are still mm -hmm. a lot of fun, but the, it's up to the GM to create buy-in for each player based on their yeah. character and like what they think they'll like <laughs> where in a GMless <laughs> game you just put in what you like <laughs> um, the biggest challenge in GMless games really is to let everybody have space to talk and to process and to work through ideas and that that's kind of something I really like about them too um, you, you pretty much nailed it right on the, the head for me <laughs> um so something, and I'd, I'd like your opinion on this too. So correct me if you don't think so, but personally, mm. I've, as I've been getting more involved with the indie scene and I, I see it a lot, especially with the podcast and talking to people. And I know that you're quite invested in the, the indie tabletop role-playing game scene. Uh, there is 
uh, a bigger shift towards indie RPGs that explore different ideas than I, I shouldn't even say different ideas, but ideas in a different way than the big game designers like Pathfinder or Call of Cthulhu or Dungeons and Dragons. And yeah, over yeah, it's been steady. Started a little bit before the pandemic, I'd say personally, but. Mm-hmm. What what do you think is causing people to to do this? Is it like there's more games available? It's easier to get a hold of them. Just online play. What what's your opinion on it? Yeah, I think well, I think you're right. Um, I think a part of the boom is just because of the pandemic. Honestly, like it's because of that that I've I I, I suspect that without it, I wouldn't have written any games. <laughs> you know oh, wow. i would i i probably wouldn't have had time to play i well i wouldn't have had time to play as much as i did um yeah. and have and so i think just from that uh people have just had more time to explore which is great um and i think people are drawn to games that are different because you don't always want to have to kill the goblin raiders to progress you know <laughs> and i think like so many of the more traditional games are very um combat focused and yeah. even the more indie ones that still have combat built in will encourage other ways of uh resolving conflict so maybe i mean you still both have guns or whatever maybe you're in mechs even but you can still like have a heart to heart (laughs) and be like oh you don't actually want to be fighting in this like you're just being paid to you know like i mean which is a certain kind of want but you're not invested in the like i don't want to kill you over this so Maybe we can figure out a different way. So, um, and I I like that a lot because that draws more of like the personhood in. Not that there's anything wrong with like a tactical style RPG, but I think a lot of people aren't interested in that. And now that the space has opened up for creators to write more, um, story-driven, fiction-first kinds of games, a lot more kinds of people feel like they can engage with that without just um, having to do major hacks to the more popular systems. It's almost like these smaller indie games are saying it's okay for your character to be traumatized after making their first kill. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah it, and there's there's a lot there's a lot of really interesting unique ideas out there um and i just so think many that, oh my gosh, <laughs> so many games will never get to play <laughs> i know i have a list and it's it only gets bigger <laughs> it doesn't go down <laughs> I got some free time now. Let me know if you're looking to play something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so, um, actually, you mentioned it a little bit uh, there a moment ago. And it was the COVID-19, just the, the entirety of this pandemic. 
how has this affected mm-hmm. you as both a person and as a designer? Oof. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. Uh, yeah. As a person, um, ooh, let's see. I guess, like, the biggest thing is, you know, just I was just home a lot more. <laughs> right? And so, like, the, that allowed me to do... I mean, I guess, like I alluded to before, is I just got deeply invested in the um, Role Plus Bond community and uh, just played a lot of games with a lot of people and formed these great friendships. Like there's a lot of people in that community that I consider to be dear friends. And through that, uh, played a lot of games and then started writing some. Um, it was because of that community for sure that I witnessed, I just saw people writing games and posing questions and collaborating and building stuff up. And then I was able to feel like, oh, well, maybe I could. And so I, you know, just kind of brainstormed on some things and then started developing. So Wagon Wheel was the first thing I developed, um, uh, started developing and then kind of went from there. Uh, So I guess it's those, the me as a person and me as um, a game designer are like, and how they were affected by the pandemic go hand in hand. It's like, it's almost like the same answer. I had a lot of time to explore more about who I was, like do deep dives internally. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that I actually did through, uh, through tabletop RPGs because they are a very safe place to explore things like gender identity, sexual orientation, all those kinds of things, as well as other kinds of philosophy. Um, Because you can play a character that has these different kinds of um, inclinations and ideas and ways of being without it being a big deal. Um, And people don't know and don't care if that's the thing that you're sorting through yourself um, or if it's just a character that you're playing because both of those are fine and it's not really anybody's business <laughs> if you're trying to sort through something on your own or uh, or not. But it, it, it really is a very safe place to explore these different kinds of things um i know adela mentioned some of that kind of stuff and so yeah i'm the i'm in the same kind of boat you know so through games i was able to you know play around with pronouns a little bit and play around with some other things so like it's in those spaces i was able to confirm ideas that i had right so Mm -hmm. like with the being non-binary and being able to use any pronouns and being pan um and just not really caring what gender the people i'm attracted to are (laughs) um is all stuff i gotta kind of engage with and um uh see how it felt to embody that that's the kind of stuff that i really like hearing about this hobby um i know that 
well, a lot of times we don't get too serious on this show, but really people out there listening and Weston, this is the, the stuff that I really like tabletop role-playing games for because it's giving you that, not even excuse, but that opportunity because yeah. you, yeah, you don't, you're playing the character and somewhere along the lines, you and the character kind of blur a little bit together because a piece of you is always going to be in there. There's no way always yeah yeah there, there's no way for it not to be and so if you are if you're listening to this and you haven't really been invested in trying anything or you have a group that maybe would give you a hard time try a different group try a different game and do a little exploration mm-hmm. see what see what happens you, you never know really yeah you can find me on Twitter <laughs> and talk to me about it too. <laughs> I'd love to uh, talk through that stuff or just play a game and you can, you know, work through it there. Yeah. Yeah. Weston's super friendly. I've had a couple conversations <laughs> with them. <laughs> um, so we're actually getting close to the end of our time here. It's almost been 40 minutes now. So mm. uh, two more questions, one bigger one, one smaller one. So the first question, what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to make their first game and they've never, they've never put pen to paper before? Sure. Um, well, the first advice is play a lot of games. Um, see what kinds of things you're interested in, um, the kinds of themes you enjoy. Definitely write a game you want to play you know, (laughs) um, and then just start. Um, and something that helps me a lot is as soon as it feels like it's in a playable state, a viable state, play test it. Um, you'll learn a lot from the way that people engage with your game and with the rules, but start small, um, hack something that, um, that you enjoy playing, like just twist it a little bit. I think that's a really great way to start because you already have the structure and you just have to put a different theme on it and just kind of rewrite some things. Mm-hmm. Um, most game designers are really happy to see their game reworked in a new way uh, if it can be a jumping off point for a new game designer. That's exciting. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. We've heard that a couple times and in various different ways, but I it makes me happy every time to hear it because it just tells you that <laughs> it's it's good advice. Like, yeah, feel free to hack any of my games. <laughs> you don't have to ask. <laughs> just don't do anything dumb with it. You know. <laughs> we already put that down at the beginning. No, no. Yeah. These games. <laughs> right. I will get upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And on to the smaller question. Weston, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. So you can find the games that I've written at braverun.itch.io. Um, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at braverun underscore underscore. And as always, everyone, those things will be linked down below in the description. Weston, it's been great to have you. I'm I'm so glad I got to have this conversation because <laughs> I've been looking forward to it for a really long time. I'm not even kidding. Uh, 
like I, I'm a huge fan of your work and I get to see a lot of people say really nice things about you and just like talk about how your kindness and excitement for their projects has pushed them to make bigger things. So oh, uh, cool. I'm really glad to, yeah, I'm just glad to have been able to talk to you, even if it was just for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool, man. It was really great to, to be on here and to just kind of explore these ideas with you. Um, <laughs> off, obviously, love to hear that people are saying nice things. <laughs> it's always great. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Weston. And thank you for listening, audience. Once again, Weston and all of their products will be I mean, they're already launched. You can go get them. So I hope you have a mm -hmm. good night. <laughs> Weston, thank you one more time. Have a good night. And yeah. I'll see you next thank time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Weston for coming onto the show this week. They really have made a huge impact for a lot of people. And he's incredibly positive. And I just, I have loved every interaction I've had with Weston in this space. So really, please go give them and all their stuff a look. Show it some love. Weston really deserves it. Also, thank you for always listening. There's been a lot of support lately, and it really wouldn't be possible without all of you. So as always, if you like this episode and have heard of a project that you think might inspire someone, or that they'd be interested in, please send this episode over to them. Word of mouth is the best way for us to continue to grow here. Next week, we're going to be talking with a really interesting and cool up-and-coming designer named Brian about his game, Our Farm Becomes the Battlefield. It's a really cool game, and it uses the Lumen SRD, which I learned a lot about recently, and I'm just so excited for you to hear about that. So if you're interested in Lumen, or this game, please come back and take a listen. Brian is phenomenal. Hope to see you there. Take care. <laughs>